My name is Sarah Harrison. I am a technical advisor at the IFRC Reference Centre for Psychosocial Support. And you are listening to Heartbeat of Humanity, a podcast series for staff and volunteers in the Red Cross and Red Crescent movement, working with mental health and psychosocial support services. In this episode, I will interview Milena Osorio, the MHPSS Programme Coordinator at the ICRC, the International Committee of the Red Cross. Milena and I will discuss ICRC's MHPSS work, the populations they seek to assist, the delegates or staff providing services, and how ICRC have been able to adapt their operations and services during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, welcome, Milena, to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. You're actually our first guest in our new season, season three. I have some questions for you today, which is mainly about the work of um, ICRC and the MHPSS team, um, which you uh, head up. So can you tell us a little bit about the MHPSS team at ICRC? Where are you based and, and how many of you are there out there as well? Thank you so much, um, Sara, for this invitation. And it is a pleasure for me to share a bit on, on the work that the ICRC does on this field. So we are a big team, right? We have uh, staff at the headquarters in Geneva, and we also have uh, the majority of our staff in our field delegations. So at headquarters, it is uh, me acting as program coordinator, and I have a team of psychologists and, and psychiatrists that are uh, advisors and technical support people. We have also regional advisors that are based in, in, in all the regions of the world with, with covering a number of delegations uh, in each region. And we have field delegates implementing the programs together with uh, resident staff and other partners, um, etc. So I would say we are more or less, we are talking about 300, 300 people. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. I didn't realize it was so big now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and ICSC has a particular mandate um, and profile of work, mainly related to the, the Geneva Conventions. Right. Um, what, um, what are your focus populations um, for ICSC in terms of your MHPSS work? Yes. So, uh, you know, the mental health and psychosocial support is, is actually embedded into other activities that are core activities of the ICRC. So, for example, we have programs that support uh, families of missing persons as, as the tragedy of having a missing person is for us of a very big concern. And, and uh, you know, the ICRC is very keen in helping families uphold the right to know what happened to the relatives during situations of conflict and violence, for example. We also have programs to support victims of violence and this includes uh, a particular focus with children and victims of sexual violence, but there are programs aiming at, at victims of violence in general. In, in, it depends on the context where the needs are. We also have um, support to persons um, that have been um, affected with a physical disability due to conflict. Uh, we also support the weapon wounded um, and, and people that we see in, in health facilities and, and ICRC supported hospitals. We also have programs that support 
um, the mental health needs of detainees in prisons. So in, in general, I mean, and we also have programs that support the helpers, which is also a, a very important program for us. It's really about supporting frontliners and those that are uh, responding to the needs of communities very quickly. And, and, and more importantly, a lot of them are part of the community of those communities themselves. So they are also affected by, by the situation. Um, so as you can see, really the programs are uh, in integration with other activities of protection and health assistance activities of the ICRC. Mm. Okay. And with the help, the helpers program that you mentioned, um, you said that there were community members. Do you also work with other partners within the Red Cross Red Crescent movement? Absolutely. I mean, in all of the programs that I mentioned, we have different partnerships with other movement um partners with many uh, national societies in the field. Um, the helpers programs is of particular importance because volunteers, first aiders and staff of these national societies in the field are, are a big part of, of the helpers uh, target population, if I can call it that way. So um, we work a lot more than collaboration. I would say that those programs are also aiming at helping the volunteers and the first aiders. Mm. Okay. And the um, the staff or the delegates, um, to use a Red Cross language, that you have abroad, um, what, what type of services or activities do they do? Like, what would you expect someone to do that might be in South Sudan as an MHPSS delegate, for example? Right. So um, all our programs have both mental health, uh, let's say more clinical and psychosocial components. So basically all our staff is expected in, in a different capacity, right? Some of them may be allocated to some more specific tasks among these, but in general, they should um, help us implement strategies at both levels. So we have some staff are, are counselors or psychologists and they do provide psychological support to these uh, people affected by conflict and violence and so others are a part of what we call outreach teams or sensitization teams, community awareness teams, and they work more on the psychosocial aspects of the programs. Um, I would say that our, you know, the, our international working force, they are psychologists mm -hmm. and, and they do not, it's weird that we enter into a kind of um, substitution mode um, because in fact, we will privilege the cultural knowledge and the, the language and the cultural abilities of the uh, resident staff, no? So people in their own, com in their own communities. Yeah. So basically the international staff, they do a lot of coordination uh, training of resident staff and, and partnering with other organizations, with uh, authorities and state. Uh, so there is a lot of coordination of programs. And then uh, with our resident staff, we basically do the implementation of both these clinical aspects and the psychosocial aspects of the work. And the resident staff you referred to would be people from that country or people from that community? Yes, correct. So we have, you know, between, there could be psychologists, but we also have social workers or we have traditional leaders, uh, people in the community that we work with in order to provide the best support possible. It depends on the context and the program. Yeah. Okay. And um, I'm sure then that your programs were quite disrupted as a result of um, the COVID pandemic that, that particularly started um, last year. Yeah. Um, and I know that with the pandemic as well, it seems to have disproportionately affected people that already had had concerns or might have had mental health conditions before right. 
the pandemic hit and, and like you mentioned, the, the survivor of sexual violence or the weapon wounded. So how at ICSE, how did you ad- adapt um, your programs or the way of working? Um, last year, and I presume it's still ongoing this year. Yes, still ongoing. It's it's very challenging um, because I would say that our work is pretty much based on proximity, right? And we work, yeah. we, we try to support people that have very difficult access to other services. So it wasn't easy and it's still not um, to make sure that we can provide the support that's needed. Um the big challenge for us was this transformation or transformation, I would say, adapt to the the, the difficulties of access. Uh, and therefore, we needed to uh, develop a lot of activities online or by phone or using different type of methods that didn't require uh, our presence no, in those locations. Mm. We did well. I think we, we managed to build platforms and do a lot of consultations and a lot of support online in, in the more affected countries. However, I would say, Sarah, that still, you know, for populations that are very isolated, it's also very difficult because they don't have internet yeah. or phone. Um, so our teams kept working in the field. Uh, we maintain our presence, uh, of course, respecting all the uh, you know, necessary restrictions and, and uh, physical mm. distancing, etc. So being very careful. Uh, but we did maintain, we still maintain a lot of our presence in the field. So we are really very proud of our staff, uh, you know, all the ICRC yeah. teams that are working so hard to actually ensure that we do not abandon those communities. Yes, and I think there's, I mean, there's been a big debate um, over the past year about moving things online in terms of service provision if you're doing individual consultations with with someone but like you said it doesn't work if that person doesn't have a phone doesn't have internet and I'm not convinced either personally that if someone is severely distressed um, or got severe levels of trauma exposure whether online is actually the best option because you can't compensate for that physical proximity um, yes. And that uh, that service delivery by presence yes. alone is very reassuring for many. Yes, I agree. I, I also have, a, um, you know, it's a, it's a difficult, difficult debate, I think, uh, because we fully understand the need of having these means and being able to reach more people. But I would say that we are concerned uh, that indeed this should not be confused like like, uh, mm. you know, for us to think that this is like for the future, not the way that we should reach out to people with mental health and psychosocial needs, because indeed it is impossible to replace the importance of physical presence. And what I would like to add to this, particularly for the ICRC, is that the many of the, the survivors and victims that we talk to are very concerned about confidentiality, stigma, are afraid to talk about these things. So, so the online system definitely uh, can jeopardize the way that people feel about security no? of what they are sharing. And uh, yeah. there is just not this, the same kind of relation and privacy, right? So it's, it's extremely challenging indeed. Mm. And is there something though that you think would remain even when all the public health restrictions are lifted? Um, as we emerge out of this pandemic or all the countries emerge out of the pandemic. Is there something that like a positive lessons learned from the adaptations that you would like to keep as a, as a team? Or, or is it more that you, you would still think that the other, the, the previous COVID ways of working are, were actually probably still the best? Uh, interesting. Now, I think that we, we did learn, you know, we were a bit uh, skeptical about these uh, online um, 
things before. So I think that this situation, you know, looking at the positive, if anything, yeah. uh, has showed us that it can work and, and that is 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 worth trying because indeed you can reach sometimes more people. Um, so it has advantages. So I think that we should be really looking at the lessons learned and, and trying to adapt our strategies and use what was the best, what has been working okay for us and, and, and learn from this. So we will definitely adapt, I think. Okay. <laughs> um, and the other question I have for you is with um, ICSC was obviously a big player um, and a big supporter, actually, when we were writing the the international conference resolution, um, both with the states and also the policy um, on mental health and psychosocial support work to guide all of the movement um, component activities. So the national societies, um, ICRC and IFRC. And you were very big in that as well. Have you noticed any changes in ICRC as a result of the, the policy or the resolution or in your discussions with communities or states at all? Um, I think, yes. I think, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that we were able to show uh, a movement effort and, um, you know, show how big and important our workforce as a movement can be. I think it, it, it has, uh, it has had a huge impact on the way people perceive us. I feel this with external partners or with states. They, I think they recognize that as movement, we, we have an enormous working force, a, a very important reach out to communities that are isolated and that we can do a beautiful work working together. So I think that in terms of perception, it has helped uh, the movement a lot. And I, I, I'm sure that if it, let's say, for each of us of the movement mm. partners individually, it has helped us as well. Because when we talk to someone or to a state or another partner, I think this vision of us together as a movement has made us stronger. So I think that this is this is very important. I would say at the ICRC, uh, it was also very important to have for the first time um, and the issue of mental health and psychosocial support raised up at, at such a high level, you know, at the international conference mm-hmm. and have so much support from, from national societies and from the IFRC. So I think that internally is, it has helped us to sensitize a lot of people about the importance of the issue. Um, so I think that in terms, you know, of advocacy and positioning, this has been very important for us. Now, in terms of the results in the field, I think we are, uh, it's still early. We, we are working on it. We have a lot of challenges to overcome about how to improve working together and collaboration in the field. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a work in, on progress, in progress. Yeah, but I think it's certainly the case from IFRC perspective as well. The fact that we have documents that we can lean against. And I yeah. think that, like you said, it helps showcase the broad type of services, but also how large and how actually influential um, the movement is, both at global level, but I think particularly at community level um, and in countries as well. Yes. And um, it certainly helps. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I also think, as you, you mentioned it, I think the, the, the fact that um, we can work in so many layers of the mental health and psychosocial support, right, from communities to 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 more specialized psychological or specialized mental health mm-hmm. care is also another important aspect because I think uh, some external partners or some states may have preconceptions is perhaps not the best word. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, some people may 
when they think about the movement, they may think only about psychosocial support, or if they know ICRC, they may think only about a psychologist in a primary healthcare facility. No? So mm-hmm. I think that now this, this uh, vision, uh, broader vision on what the movement can do has definitely helped us to show that we can have work in the different layers of this pyramid and, and that makes us very strong. Yeah. I know that one area where we've been struggling, um, I, and it's actually written in the in the policy that we have, is in terms of workforce capacity and workforce development. Yes. Um, because if we're going to want to expand services um, and to reach more people that need those services, um, we also need more people to do that and more people that are trained or feel supported and supervised and competent um, to do it. Um, how does ICSE go about recruiting um, your MHPSS delegates or staff? Um, I think, yes, we are uh, confronted to the need of recruiting more more and more people. Um, it is challenging because we need to recruit people with a diversity, right, of backgrounds and languages yeah. and different cultural knowledge and experiences. Um, and it is, I, indeed, I think that for us, the issue of capacity building, monitoring, uh, coaching and providing good technical support has become, I mean, it was always very important, but I think it has become even more important because mm. if we grow too quickly, right, I think we are all feeling this, we need to add uh, more and more people into the work, but that doesn't mean that they have all the skills or the knowledge, right, to uh, yeah. do it right away. So basically this process, Sarah, of Having people, it's not only about recruiting a lot of people, but it's about making sure that they understand the movement work, they understand the different components, our approaches, and this takes time. So I think it's uh, the the bigger challenge for us, more than recruiting more Mm. people, right, is ensuring that we have a mechanism, and, and we are working very hard on this, on which we can provide appropriate training, appropriate tools, appropriate coaching to our teams in the field. Um, we work yeah. a lot on this, Sarah. You know, the, the team, I think the regional advisor, for example, for us play a very important role in being available for our teams in the field to discuss strategies, to discuss cases, to discuss approaches, uh, to ensure mm-hmm. the monitoring is of quality. And, and we can say that this experience has been really beneficial. I think it's a very good way of working. We have seen very good results of having this type of, you know, peer support in a way available yeah. and, and more um, uh, a team of people that really have a focus and a job, which is basically supporting those teams in the field. This is very important. Yeah. And it would also be great if the, the, the training or the capacity building initiatives that ICSE provides or others within the movement, if they could also be recognized, I think, because yeah. you can invest months in building someone's capacity to do this work. It could be a volunteer, for example, and then their certificates or their skills aren't necessarily recognized if they look for work elsewhere. Yeah, that's really important. I think we we have discussed this during the process of elaborating the resolution and the policy, no? Uh, particularly in the movement, we, we have work. We work with colleagues uh, for years, no? That have gone through all yeah. sorts of trainings, and I would say that are probably more knowledgeable in so many things in terms of mental health and psychosocial support even than we are, uh, and we can't, uh, we haven't been able to 
uh, ensure that they are properly recognized. No? So I think this is a very mm. important call and it's one of our main asks also to states how we could put on the table and start discussing and having a conversation on, you know, for the states, it's very important to have a trained workforce and recognize yeah. that they have these resources and, and, and for us it would be as well. So I think it's a, it's a very important issue to, to move forward. Yeah, and it's quite a long-term investment. Very, yes. It's not going to happen in a few months. It it's requires a few years' worth of work. Yes. No, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> um, are there any last thoughts that you would like to share with us today, Milena, from ICSD? Um, I think, I mean, I would like per perhaps just to say... Um, that uh, in terms of the ICRC work on, on mental health and psychosocial mm. support, uh, the teams face many challenges because I think, um, you know, with the the conflicts and the, the impact that violence uh, is having on people and, and, and now with the exacerbation of COVID, it has been extremely challenging for our teams to maintain the, the, the support, a support that is relevant, you know, and, and it's, it's challenging to work with populations that are so affected by violence. Uh, people are extremely resilient, and I think it's an important message mm. to pass in, in this type of conversations, but resilience doesn't mean that they don't need a little bit of a push, a support, uh, yeah. a shoulder, uh, you know, to, to get activated uh, on this, their own resources and, and get positively responding to adversity. So it's, it's challenging. So we are, I am personally very proud of the work that the ICRC teams are doing all over the world. I think it's extremely challenging. Mm. Um, yeah. And I would say the same in terms of uh, the movement colleagues. I, I'm really always, I admire very much the, the work of the volunteers and those national societies that, as I said before, are affected by these situations of conflict or natural disasters, emergencies, and are the first ones to be there on the front line and responding. So a lot of admiration and respect. Um, so once again, just to say that, again, I think the working together, it's, it's really a, an amazing and beautiful project. And there are a lot of things that we can achieve um, as movement, putting all of us together and and, and being more, um, you know, in synchrony with each other. So it's it's a great vision. Yeah. I, I really hope that this will continue moving forward. Yes, I hope so too. We're stronger together, certainly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And there is something, like you said, in the, in the power of accompanying and physical presence next to someone that's particularly distressed or affected by violence or another emergency. Yes. Thank you very much for speaking with us. Thank you so much for having me. You have been listening to The Heartbeat of Humanity, a podcast series for Red Cross, Red Crescent Movement, staff and volunteers about mental health and psychosocial support. In this episode, I interviewed Milena Osorio, the MHPSS Programme Coordinator at the International Committee of the Red Cross. You can find more resources about mental health and psychosocial support on the IFRC Psychosocial Centre website. Resources include manuals, webinars, policy documents, programme materials, educational videos and information about upcoming trainings, workshops and other events. My name is Sarah Harrison and I hope you enjoyed listening to this Heartbeat of Humanity podcast. Remember that mental health matters. <laughs>